Gracious and holy God, we thank you for this wonderful day, the day that you have created and made. We thank you that you have gathered us to listen to and to reflect upon your word. Speak to us through your message today. Guide our thoughts and minds to be directed towards you. Help us to honor you in every single way. Help us to grow closer to you and closer to each other. We thank you and give you all the praise. In the mighty and holy name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's people said, amen and amen. So happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. We are so very blessed to have fathers and father figures, grandfathers, uncles, big brothers, cousins, god brothers, all the men in our lives. Men, we love you. Turn and tell a, ma- a male in the room, I love you. <laughs> we are even grateful for our sons. Amen. We are grateful for our sons who will one day hopefully be fathers. Amen. Thankful for our up and coming fathers. Men provide so much encouragement and support. Men just bring a different flavor to the room, don't they? (laughs) Every year, though, I listen to men and women, so many men and women, they will say things like, Father's Day doesn't seem to matter as much as other holidays. It was even a comedian that was telling a joke about how Christmas is celebrated, New Year's Day is celebrated, New Year's Eve is celebrated, Hanukkah is even celebrated. All these holidays are celebrated, and then Father's Day is way down at the bottom. He even complained. He said, Halloween is more more of a big deal than Father's Day. It's often pointed out that on Father's Day, fathers don't seem to get the same kind of respect or excitement as other holidays or even as mothers, amen? It has been, oh, oh, somebody like, you know it. I hear you. I'm walking down somebody's street, amen? (laughs) It has been pointed out that it seems like on Mother's Day, we roll out the red carpet. And then on Father's Day, it's like... Is anybody in the room? (laughs) It's just another day. Well, today here at New Life at Calvary, we are here to change that, amen? We are here to change that. Men, fathers, Father's Day, fathers, father figures, you are important. You are important, and we are rolling out the red carpet for you today. It's all about you, amen? (laughs) We want to make sure you know how blessed we are to have you in our lives. We are so blessed. You know, I'm often privy, that's my word today, privy, say privy, (laughs) to the private conversations of women. (laughs) Y'all, okay, women, I ain't putting our secrets out. (laughs) But I know, or I believe I know, that I understand what women think and what we wish men would understand about us. You see, there are some things that we as women wish you all men would get about us, would understand more deeply about us. And so as I know that is true for us as women, 
I was wondering what it is you would like us to know. What is it in the private hearts? What is it in the heart of a father that you would like us to know as a man? What are some of your struggles? What are some of your hardships? What is it that every man, if you could have the full attention of every woman and every child, what is it you would want us to know? (laughs) To be appreciated. What else? Say it again. To let you win. Ooh. (laughs) That's a really good one. I like that one. He he said, let us win. And Susan is pointing out, he said, sometimes. They're not asking for all the time. Just sometimes let us win. (laughs) I like that, Carrie. Ooh, quiet time. Some peacefulness. Go ahead. Ooh, that their feelings run deep too. That's a good one, Reginald. Larry. Amen. All right. So it don't even bother you, those comments, because you know you're a good father every day. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Larry. Marvin? You want, you want to, for us to under, be more understanding. Be more understanding. Amen. You know, I, I think about some of the things that um, men want us to know, and And I love some of the things that you all have shared, but I also want to add that I think you all would want us to know that you do care. Every day you care. I think you all want us to know that you all work hard. It's not easy being a father, amen? You all do just as much work as mothers do, amen? You all would want us to know that you don't want to be taken for granted. This is my favorite one. You are not the bank. (laughs) you are not a bank account (laughs) somebody say wait a minute wait a minute (laughs) all those daddy girls out there like no my daddy makes sure I have what I need (laughs) fathers will want us to know that they actually enjoy being fathers men enjoy being fathers they love their role as fathers Men will want us to know that they will lay down their lives for us. Some, some of them, some of them, man. <laughs> See, we, we're trying to dispel some myths, though. We, all of the fathers in this room, y'all will lay down your lives, right? <laughs> Amen. Fathers will want us to know that they make mistakes and that they are sorry and that they do want to do better. You know, there are so many myths about fatherhood, so many myths. One of the myths is that people think that fathers don't enjoy the job of being a father. Like they're always trying to get out of it. But that's not true. Tell your neighbor that's not true. There are so many good fathers, and they're good at being fathers. There are fathers that can do hair, amen. Can I, can I get an amen on a father that can... Can, can do a, a swift ponytail. <laughs> there are fathers who, who have taught their daughters how to do some makeup and fathers who know how to do the girl stuff, amen? 
know how to paint a good fingernail. (laughs) There are fathers who are good athletes, who are good sports, who are even good artists, arts and crafts. We'll break out some arts and crafts with the kids in a minute and do some things. There are fathers who are good listeners. You know, there is a myth that if your father is absent in your life, that some kind of way your life is doomed. Tell your neighbor, don't believe it. There are good, no, let me change that, not just good. There are great fathers and father figures. See, that's the father figure part. The men who step up and take care of everybody's kid. The men who will take kids fishing and they don't even have no kids. The men who will make sure the kids know, learn how to read and write, and they don't necessarily have children themselves. The men who will be encouraging and supportive and, and will have your back. Those are the men here at New Life at Calvary, amen? <laughs> there are good men all over the world, but I believe we have the very best right here at New Life at Calvary. You all are the very best. You all the very best. There is no perfect parent. Can we all agree on that? There's no perfect parent. And sometimes we get into this competition thing where we're always trying to outdo each other. But that doesn't do anyone any good, does it? Tell your neighbor, it does not help. You know, it does not help. I think about the story in the Bible of Isaac and Rebekah. They had the twins, the twin sons, and their twin sons uh, were somewhat favored. You know, Isaac favored Esau, and he was the elder twin, and Rebekah favored Jacob, the younger twin. And you see, this kind of a sinfulness in their lives was that for some kind of way, they couldn't figure out how to work together. And it's not a competition. Tell your neighbor it's not a competition. You see, God created us. Tell your neighbor, God created us. (laughs) Way back in the book of Genesis, he created male and female. And at the beginning of creation, we can stop and ask the question, why did God make it so that we would be required to have a male and a female in order to produce a child? Why is that like that is? Why why do you think God made that way so it it was like that? Why is that? So we could help each other, right? So that it was a partnership. And every form of life, think about this, y'all. Plants, bacteria, viruses, humans, fish, every life form, there is always a male and a female component. In order to get the next generation, you need the male and the female. And it's not a competition. We all need each other. And God created that way so that we could be dependent on you, on each other. Tell your neighbor, I depend on you. Some of us don't like hearing that. We don't like hearing that. Why is that? Because in the American way of life, America teaches us to be individuals, to be strong, independent people, amen? The American way of life also can teach us to care more about our jobs, more about our education, and more about money than we do our own families. 
That's a sad state of affairs, isn't it? We even teach our children to be individuals. Think about it. We say things like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Why can't we have some help? What's wrong with helping another person pull themselves up? <laughs> but you see, that's the, that's the thought and the mindset that America wants us to believe, that not just America, but the world wants us to believe. But we need each other. Tell your neighbor again, I depend on you. We need each other. Fathers and mothers, grandparents, we all need each other to grow the next generations. We need each other. The aunties, the uncles, the cousins, the people who don't even have kids and, and just come alongside and help out. We all need each other, don't we? A part of the reason that we try not to need each other so much, a part of the reason that this individualistic idea is taught is so that we as humans can avoid pain. You see, if you don't have to depend on anyone else, no one else can ever let you down. We can avoid hardship if, if we just figure out how to do everything by ourselves. You see, because some of us have had times when we was waiting on a parent to come by, mama or daddy was supposed to do something, and they didn't do it, right? Anybody got a story like that? You was waiting all day, and they didn't come by, and then you felt hurt and sad. And so what did you decide? You may have said something like this, I am never going to wait for them ever again. I'm never going to depend on them for anything else because you didn't want to be hurt. But see, here's the part of human reality. We at times can hurt each other. Tell your neighbors, sometimes I hurt people. Families hurt each other, don't we? Parents hurt children, don't they? Children even turn around and hurt their parents. Man, oh man, I apologize to my parents all the time. The older I get, the sorrier I get. I'm always calling my mother like, I'm so sorry. I do this to you, I'm so sorry. And it was a good feeling, too, as my children are getting older, and they're coming to me like, oh, mom, I'm so sorry. But we hurt each other. Humans are frail. Humans don't have it all together. Tell your neighbor, I don't have it all together. We sometimes hurt each other, and we have to admit, say admit, that we have hurt people that we loved. Anybody in this room, have you hurt somebody that you love? There has been times when you may have done something or said something that you have regretted, and it caused true hurt to another individual. So we hurt people. Has someone ever hurt you? Yes, right? Have you ever had a mother, a father, an aunt, an uncle, a grandparent cause you pain? Yes, we all have. I want to see the one who hasn't. Every human being, why is it that we're born, we're expected, we expect life to treat us so kindly? But it doesn't. Tell your neighbor, life isn't kind. Sometimes we are full of so much hurt so much sadness, so much anger that we can't even celebrate anything. 
sometimes we are so downcast that we can't even uplift a good moment. And I think that's why sometimes we struggle on Father's Day. Because there has been so much hurt that we can't even see all the good dads. Because somebody has hurt us. I like to tell young people sometimes, you are missing all the good in your life because you're so busy looking at this one little bad part of your life. And I don't want to minimize that bad part of your life, but look at all the good that God has given to you. Look at all the joy that God has given to you. Remember that song, Count Your Many Blessings, Name Them One by One? <laughs> I ain't going to sing it, Pastor Antonio. Think about the men, the teachers, the coaches, the mentors, all the men. I mean, the, the mailmen. I remember our mailman used to come up and talk to us all the time. The mailman would talk to the kids on the street. All of the men who invested so positively in your life. Does anybody have some men like that in your life? We all do. We have to stop taking it for granted. Amen. Say, tell your neighbor, stop taking it for granted. That we do not have, that we cannot celebrate. We can celebrate. We can celebrate even when we have had some hurtful times in our lives. We can celebrate. You know, sometimes I, I, it's amazing to me that fathers, you all get beat up when y'all do something wrong. Oh, man, it is relentless. <laughs> As if a mother has never hurt a child. Fathers hurt children, but mothers hurt children too, don't they? But we still roll out that red carpet on Mother's Day, don't we? <laughs> it is so hard to know that there are so many parents that have done some hard things. Parents are broken. Tell your neighbor, parents are broken. We are all broken, though. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't celebrate sometimes. A big part of the Bible is to show us how to overcome, say overcome, how to overcome brokenness. How to overcome parents that don't get things right. You see, there are so many broken, unperfect, imperfect parents in the Bible. It's a lot of brokenness in the Bible. And our scripture reading today is, is a man named King Saul and another king named King David. Have y'all heard those names before? King Saul was the first appointed king of Israel, but he had a whole lot of character flaws. He's had so many flaws that even his son, Jonathan, struggled with his own father. Saul was vindictive. He was mean. He was jealous. He even tried to kill his son's best friend. Anybody ever had the parent that didn't like your friends? <laughs> my mother didn't like none of my friends, y'all. <laughs> Saul was such a horrible king and a horrible man that he lost his appointment as king. But we never look at sometimes to stop at what was that like for Jonathan? King Saul's son was Jonathan. And the book of 1 Samuel, the prophet Samuel, he comes in the room and he's about to tell King Saul that you are about to lose everything. Now, if your father is the king 
and you are the son of a king, what do you expect your life to be like? You expect a good life, don't you? You expect a royal life. And when the king dies, who gets to be king next? Jonathan, right? The son. So Jonathan is probably knowing all his life that I'm next up to be king. Then one day the prophet Samuel comes in the room and says, you about to lose everything. What a hard experience this family has gone through. What if you are Jonathan and you're standing there listening to what is being said and and you're watching what is happening and you know that you're next up in line to become king and you're listening and you're thinking, I'm supposed to inherit the kingdom. However, because of what my father has done, we are about to lose everything. Would anybody be like, what? Jonathan and David were good friends. They were best friends. They were the best of friends. And they had been friends in the Bible, and I never even realized this. They had been friends way back since the battle between David and Goliath. That's how long they had been friends. Jonathan was like a big brother to to David. He loved David, but Jonathan was also a good son. So he's standing here in between his father, the king, and his best friend, the future king. Whose side should he choose? Who should he support? His father or his bestie? What do y'all think? Who should he support? His father? Who thinks he should support his bestie? (laughs) Here was the issue. Jonathan had a very unique perspective. He knew his father's heart. He knew what was inside his father's heart. I mean, he had listened to him, grown up with him, observed him. He knew what was said in the back room when nobody else knew what was said. He knew his father's heart. He also knew his best friend's heart. And most importantly, he knew God's heart. It's hard to choose what God chooses. I'm going to say that again. It's hard to choose what God chooses. You see, Scripture says the Lord has sought a man after his own heart. And Jonathan knew that that man wasn't his father. That had to be a big blow. And Jonathan could have easily become a schemer. He could have helped his father kill David. I mean, if I know I'm next up to be king, you are about to be gone. (laughs) There's no way my bestie about to become queen and I'm not about to be queen. (laughs) Jonathan could have easily sabotaged David. Even the king, King Saul, ordered Jonathan to kill David. The king gave his son permission to kill the future king. That's deep, (laughs) y'all. But Jonathan, again, knew the heart. And he refused his father. He stood up to his father. And the king got so angry, Scripture says that the king threw a spear at Jonathan and tried to kill him. That's deep when your father threw a spear at y'all, y'all. 
that's a bad day. It's a real bad day. I mean, how many of y'all got some spankings by your daddy? Anybody ever got spanked? Well, maybe I should say you got a beaten or two by your dad. I told Terrence one time because, you know, I didn't grow up with my father in the home. So I never had gotten a spanking from a male my whole life, still to this day. Never gotten spanked by a male. So when we got married, and then he went to go spank our children, I was like, well, maybe it wasn't so bad not having daddy around. <laughs> I was like, you know, dads whip differently than mamas. <laughs> so here it is. Jonathan is getting this spear thrown at him. And how do you look at your dad and know that he is so disappointed in you? And he is so done with you that he would throw a spear at you. So what did Jonathan do? Jonathan chose God's heart. Say that with me. Jonathan chose God's heart. And in our scripture it says, but now your kingdom would would not endure because they were learning that the kingdom would not endure The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because Saul did not keep the command. You see, there are imperfect people in the Bible. Tell your neighbor, you are not perfect. King Saul was not perfect. And even though King David got to be king, guess what? He wasn't perfect either. There are other imperfect people. Think about Abraham and Sarah. Remember all the mistakes they made? Abraham and Sarah, they had that whole situation with getting Hagar pregnant. I mean, how you the mama talking about come on in and and sleep with my husband? What? What? (laughs) Talking about doing things when you're young, all y'all have got to pass. (laughs) How do you explain that when you're grown? Like, well, what had happened was... (laughs) how do you explain that (laughs) there are so many imperfect parents I mean Joseph he was the human father of Jesus and then he gets a message from an angel like so your girl is pregnant how many y'all know Joseph probably had a side eye like what (laughs) we not even married yet (laughs) even Mary who was supposed to be the perfect mother of Jesus. She lost her son in the temple, y'all. They was at church one day, and they forgot Jesus at church. They left him in the building. They had traveled about two or three days. How do you go two or three days and not realize that your kid is not there? Talk about calling children and family services. (laughs) The Bible is full of imperfect people. There is only one person in the entire Bible, in the entire world, in the entire history that is without sin, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Every human is broken. Every human is sinful. Every one of us make mistakes. Every one of us mess things up. And yet, say and yet, God loves us. And God celebrates us. God forgives us. 
Think about it. Abraham, with all his errors, he became the father of nations. Sarah, all of her mistakes, she became the mother of nations. Joseph, the humanly father, he became the father of a king. And Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ. After everything, go back to that story with me of Saul and David and Jonathan. And think about David for a second. David went through a lot of stuff to become king, didn't he? And after everything that David went through to become king, after all the mistakes that he made while he was a king, remember that whole story about Bathsheba, y'all? He killed Uriah. (laughs) King David was still celebrated by God, and God said, he is a man after my own heart. How does God continue to love us even when we are unlovable? Tell your neighbor, you are unlovable. (laughs) God sees our hearts. God sees our thoughts. God sees our minds. And he looks at us and he tells us, you are good. I created you. You are good. I love you. You are good. You know, earlier I said in America that we learned that our jobs, our education, our money is way more important than anything else. Our relationships are not necessarily seen as a sign of success. And that can be said. We ask our children, what do you want to be when you grow up? And we expect them to say, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a nurse. You can, we even celebrate when they say, I want to be a football player. God forbid if they say, I want to grow up and I want to be a stay-at-home dad. (laughs) Or even if I want to grow up and be a stay-at-home mom. It's like, what is wrong with you, child? You can't be stay-at-home dad. You got to get a job. But think about what God's real goals are in our lives. What is the real job that God has given to us as Christians? Relationships. Tell your neighbor, relationships. We say it all the time. When all is said and done in our lives, when we get to the end of our lives, your job is not going to be there. Your money will not be with you. Your status, your fame, your fortune, none of that is going to sit by your bedside and hold your hand and tell you I love you and tell you it's okay to go home to Jesus. Your relationships are the most important parts of your life. Jesus even established that in our trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit to show us relationships. We all are needed. Tell your neighbor, I depend on you. God wants us to be in relationship with each other and with God. And it's a little bit beyond a a blood relationship. It's a spiritual relationship. In our New Testament, we had the example of Paul and Timothy, and I'm going to close. I promise y'all I only got two pages left. But Paul appointed himself to be the father figure of Timothy. Now, Paul didn't have children. He didn't have to take anybody's kids 
in his in his situation. He could have let Timothy be on his own, like you on your own, Timothy. But Paul saw something special in Timothy. And he said to Timothy, you are my beloved son. And this establishes something new in the church. Tell your neighbor, it's new in the church. You see, what's unique and special and different about the church is that relationships aren't necessarily about flesh and blood. Our relationships are about the spirit. We can say to each other, you are my brother, you are my sister, you are my father, you are my mother. Not because of a blood relationship, but because of a spiritual relationship. When God invites all of us to be a part of his family, we family. Tell your neighbor, you're my family. You are my family. Paul recognized these relationships. He saw it in the forefathers, scripture says. He even saw it in the grandmother and the mother. He, he says the names. Your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. You see, he was establishing we need the men and the women to make this happen. Paul recognized that faith, say faith, is passed through each other, to each other. I'm in your life, you in my life. We have something to offer to each other. And Paul consistently saw the hearts. Tell your neighbor, what's in your heart? What's in your heart today? God can see the good in you even if you can't see the good in you. You see, I know when I said what's in your heart, most of you probably went to the the darkness of your heart. Oh, yeah, God sees that darkness. But what he sees even more is your light. He sees something special in you that he created you and became your creator, your ultimate father, your ultimate mother, your ultimate parent. And every day, say every day, we get to get up, say get up. And what does Pastor Toby say all the time? Good morning, God. What is your plan for me today? Because God has a plan for us. And every day he says, I am your, your Lord, your God, your creator, and your sustainer. And if he's our Lord, our God, our creator, and our sustainer, what does that make us? His children that he loves. His people that he loves. So today, we're going to say Happy Father's Day. Tell your neighbor, Happy Father's Day. Tell God, happy Father's Day. Thanks for all you do. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you, Lord. Thank you for creating us and loving us. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for seeing the good in us, even when we don't see the good in ourselves. Thank you that you have a plan and purpose for all of our lives. Gracious God, we appreciate you. We say thank you for everything you have done for us, all the times You have forgiven us and understood us and looked deeply into our hearts. We thank you, God, for being such a good God. And we honor you in the mighty and holy name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And God's people all said, amen and amen.